welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where if we pot it, they will come as we watch through the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our grown up eyes to see how they hold up. And today we're talking about Field of Dreams, a movie selection from 1989 about which Google says when Iowa farmer Ray, played by Kevin Costner, Here's a mysterious voice one night in his cornfield saying, if you build it, he will come. He feels the need to act. Despite taunts of lunacy, Ray builds a baseball diamond on his land, supported by his wife, Annie, played by Amy Madigan. Afterwards, the ghosts of great players start emerging from the crops to play ball, led by shoeless Joe Jackson. But as Ray learns, this field of dreams is about much more than bringing formal former baseball greats out to play all right that's field of dreams with me today as always is our favorite independent filmmaker what's up oh hi uh nathan blackwell thanks for having me you're we always have you you're, you're always welcome <laughs> you made you're it welcomest of all the people I- you made it to the show. <laughs> Yay. It's always a miracle. Thank you, everyone. It is, yes. It's it's gratitude. <laughs> uh, and joining us today is uh, an, also a filmmaker, a podcaster, and an all-around True Story FM all-star. Mm. It's Tommy Metz Third. How are you? I am great. It is always a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm super excited to talk about uh, Field of Dreams. I'm always surprised that this is an 80s movie because it feels like a 90s movie to me. Mm. I don't know why. It just has a 90s feel. Because it was 89? (laughs) I guess. Right on the cusp. Yeah. Well, because there's Uh nothing 80s about it. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about like there's no one like Shoeless Joe isn't doing a Rubik's Cube or you know, whatever, all the dumb 80s things that are there because it's so yeah. a movie lost in time. On yeah. Purpose. There's, yeah. There's, yeah a- anything like in the Midwest or, or any time like we see in 80s movies that that's on like the East Coast, like it's almost set back 10. It like looks very 70s, you mm. know. Um, and so, yeah, I think there is a timeless nature to this. And also, you know, it's like obviously like these these time periods, like the like the wizard was an 80s movie but that mm-hmm. felt super super 90s you know yes like it was just on that cusp when things were starting to transition because obviously you know as soon as the year clicks over to 90s things aren't immediately 90s you know um you don't immediately not, throw away all of your possessions exactly it's an agreement <laughs> um yeah, and, and I have no clarity about like what is two thousands and what's two thousand tens and what's two thousand twenties. You have to you have to get like a good twenty five, thirty years out to really kind of get it. Yeah. So well, I saw this movie just a ton when I was a kid. This was in regular rotation at my house. What mm. about for you, Nathan? Um I, this was a movie that I really responded to. So when it came out, uh, we saw it, I saw it on home video. I was about that age. I was about 13, I think, where I was starting to appreciate and respond to, quote, adult movies. You know, there's mm. that time in your life where you can actually start to enjoy like dramas or things with feels in it and not just explosions. And so 
I just kind of looking back, like Kevin Costner was kind of my gateway into more dramatic films, you mm. know? Oh, yeah. Like, like Field of Dreams and Dances with Wolves. That's what I think when Dances with Wolves came out in what, 1990, like the next year, that's when I really started to kind of pay attention to what were Oscar movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. And of course, the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yeah, and that's, uh, it didn't last long. It didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what about for you, Tommy? Yeah, this movie has always stuck out for me. Um, I haven't watched it in a while. I've watched it 900,000 times. I haven't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. I was so glad to rewatch it for this podcast because I feel like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, right. This is an extraordinary experience. And I think one of the reasons it's so extraordinary and sort of like an awakening, like you were talking about, Nathan, for me is it's so sentimental. Mm -hmm. Like this is a, this might as well be a Frank Capra movie and parts of it are, it's a wonderful life just straight up. But the sentimentality, it works. But on the edge of a knife, this could be a Hallmark movie if you just push (laughs) it a little bit farther. But instead Mm -hmm. it's just hits it every moment and it's so filled with chills not scary chills but like goosebumps that's the word i wanted to use i kept writing down chills and i knew that was wrong <laughs> goosebumps um <laughs> it's in, it's incredible that this i mean do you just i keep forgetting how mm-hmm. extraordinary of an experience this movie is for me and so this was wonderful to come back and i forget parts of it like the whole beginning slideshow with all the different I things. I forgot about I that. I don't remember that at all. This It, he, it opens so with all this much. VO stuff. And there's all these like funny jokes and things about, you know, he, she smelled weird, but we loved her anyways. And all of that great um, Super 8 when they're moving into the farm. I'm, I don't remember a single thing about that. I think I thought it started at the cornfield. So it's really fun. It's such a yeah. deeper movie than I remember. Yeah, it, it's, the, it's the overlap of a baseball movie which is inherently kind of a little old school and nostalgic and then a dead dad movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's right. like really weaponizing both of those, but yeah, the, the storytelling in, in specific and then, and then the direction is just handled so well, just balancing all those things because it's still also, I think one of the things that, that keeps it from being too hallmarky is that it's also kind of a ghost story. Yeah. It's a ghost story where there's no rules to how the ghosts operate. There's no, nothing makes sense as to, especially when you get to uh, uh, Archie Moonlight Graham, uh, (laughs) the rules are all out the window. You're like, I thought I knew how the rules worked. Ghosts come from the cornfield. They're baseball Uh men. Yeah. You think, okay, okay. There's like a portal. Right. There's like a a corn portal, you know? And then you real, and then at some point. Yeah, a cor- a cordial. and then you realize at some point, oh, he he has now time traveled. Right, there, it's like time travel is in play, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, like towards the end, like mass hypnosis for profit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yet it all works because they don't seem to because they don't lean into the rules. They don't lean into the how is this, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm. The wife, I think, is a very key part of it. The wife of the character. She's such a free spirit and is so let's go and okay. And is so, I mean, she says big wow. 
mm-hmm. at one point that you need that character to unground things. Yeah, to just she's let always the, making the mission fun go. of right, making fun of him and really kind of you know because they really are the you know like these old hippies that right. live in the Midwest now who have turned into farmers, and so. Um, you know, it's kind of fun have seeing like who they used to be as kids, you know, but yeah, that free spirit that she is really, um, helps ground some of the stuff in some of the mysticism and magic. It's like, I hear a voice. Right. Yeah. She's, she's got questions. She's like, well, what does the voice say? If you build what, who will come? But then right. he's like, I think if I build a baseball field, Shoeless Joe will get to come back and play ba- baseball. And she's like. Yeah, okay. That sounds great. Right, because she could be, I mean, she and she shields him from Timothy Busfields of the world. She fights for mm. him. She could have been, um, to use an antiquated term, but like the shrew. She could be the, mm-hmm. another one of the, but instead he's able to uh, build an armor of his family and then eventually Terrence Mann of just dewy-eyed believers that yeah. are just on this quest to keep going. That's an important, important part of making this all work and why you don't, I don't, you question the rules, but then you almost get mad at yourself for questioning the rules. Cause yes. it's, cause instead let's go pick up that young man on the side of the road. He looks like <laughs> and get another goosebump moment. Yeah. Yep. I also, I think I knew and it's embarrassing cause it's so clear. I knew, but I don't think I'd ever broken it down how much the film's about a lot of things, but it's, it's about redemption dealing with your past, making good with your past for everybody. Except Moonlight, yes. Graham. Moonlight Graham is a little bit curious in that, in that he doesn't have the regrets. His is like wish fulfillment. He gets to go to fantasy camp. Uh, yeah, but his, his, his is kind of like almost like the counter argument where it's like, I've got something unfulfilled. It's like, yes, I've got a wish, but I'm happy with how my life turned out. Right. And so it, it, that's a, maybe that's just a good, that's a great word for it. A counter example of, Sometimes when your dreams don't come true, that can lead to better things. And don't mm-hmm. always, you can still think about it like, I wish I had that shot. But all he really wanted to do was wink and play. And then for have a major dead person say, hey, rookie, you were good. You know, yeah. that's like, a, it's icing on a cake of a wonderful lifetime. So it yeah. really seems to be, it's about redemption and making okay with the past. That's what the whole book part is about. I had forgotten that whole string mm-hmm. of the book banning situation yes. and how we're looking we're looking back at our past trying to make now we're becoming neo fascists about <laughs> books and things because well, of yeah, things I'm sure that glad had happened. We got rid of that. I'm so right, glad I know. Yeah. In the past now. Um, this is our well, this we, is our second movie in a row that's had book burning in it. <laughs> we did Footloose before this and they were all Oh like, boy, oh boy. Burn the books. Yep. Slaughterhouse 5 has to go. Uh, and now in this one, they're like, we got to get rid of Terrence Mann. Um, it's, <laughs> who knew there was so much book burning in the 80s? I think that's really it when it everywhere. got going. Yeah, because it was such a we were fighting back against the counterculture again. Mm, yeah. And a, we were a, a whip back from the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. We were ready to have some satanic panic. Yep. Oh, God. Um, I had forgotten seeing this movie mostly as a kid. I remember the fun of it. And I, I was really uh, noticing this time how much of his dad is really layered into it. 
Mm. Um, when he's saying to her in the very beginning, you know, I'm 36, I have a wife, a child and a mortgage, and I'm scared to death that I'm becoming my father. If that's the, the, his like main motivation for wanting to do one wild and crazy thing. Um, and it's like, okay. He never, he says he never forgave his father for getting old. Right. By the so time he that he was there, he was, field. he was already beaten down by life. Yeah, like he was like a Jimmy joyless. Right. A doc, know. a t- terribly photoshopped doc yeah. worker. It looked like at one point. Kind, kind of like <laughs> yeah. how like real life Kevin Costner, I feel like has aged into. He <laughs> right. used to be like the guy, the vulnerable guy who was full of like, you know, um, of different, uh, you know, it's like he was the vulnerable guy full of like um, foibles and and heart but then kind of became like the really gruff, you know, geezer, you know, I think yeah. it's pre postman, post postman. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, yeah. that's the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of like the, like in some ways kind of like the transformation of like Tom Hanks to a certain degree. It's like, Oh, I'm the guy who needs the girl and I want to do this. And, and he kind of then transitioned to more dramatic stuff. Right. Where, it's really about dealing with these heavier uh, issues. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a little running gag where it's like, you got to listen to the little girl because she's the one who first notices Shoeless Joe out there where they're running the numbers and they're like, we can't keep the field and keep the farm. And she's like, daddy, mommy, <laughs> daddy. Hello. And they're like, would you quiet down, Karen? <laughs> and she's like, but there's a ghost on your field. That's always such a classic gag of, uh, uh, not now, <laughs> not now, not little girl who has all the things. Yeah, that's like the sister of, uh, sir, not now. I think you're going to want to see this. Like someone with a clipboard. <laughs> yeah, right. those, are the two, those are the two options uh-huh. of that happening. <laughs> right. And and you could make the argument that children are more like aware of supernatural things. I think that they're just easier for ghosts to control. Yeah, kids and like, kids. And how practice. long do I have to stand out here? How long did yeah. he? How long he might have been out there for a real long time? All right, I'm <laughs> controlling the kid. Kids are easy. See me, see yeah. me. He's just out there. Do do do. Just shoeless Joe out here. Yep. Hello. <laughs> doing magic in your cornfield you've been waiting for me i'm sorry i'm late sorry you had to do christmas with the snow on the field we couldn't come out when there was snow on the field obviously right i've been waiting for 15 minutes <laughs> really impatient 150 year old ghost yep <laughs> Um, I like the awkwardness of the first encounter between Shoeless Joe and uh, Ray Katsella. He's like, oh, uh, let's see if you can hit my curveball. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, you can hit the curveball. Yeah, um, I, I love one of the things that makes that scene work so much is that Shoeless Joe is more nervous about this than Kevin Costner, it feels. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not like I know everything and I've appeared as a ghost. He's it's like, is this heaven? Is this how does this work? I haven't played baseball. I can play baseball. You know, it's like Shoeless Joe was not allowed to play baseball because he was part of the eight men out who were thrown out for allegedly cheating, you know, mm-hmm. uh, throwing the game. And so he hadn't been allowed to play baseball. And so this was it felt very much like the scene of him smelling everything and 
being able to finally do this, that in some ways that diverted our energy from what, how Kevin Costner was feeling. And mm-hmm. it kind of made it feel a lot more human than just some mysterious ghost appearing. But then also, in addition, there's the, the most, like, it. I almost have to look away from it because of my past with youth sports. And uh, I don't know if you can tell from my little thing, but I wasn't the sports Adonis you probably think that I was. And the first time when he's, like, out there in the field and Ray picks up the ball and tries to hit it and whiffs it. And it just goes like a few feet. And Shoeless Joe sort of like Ray Liotta stands up almost like, uh-huh. wait a minute. He's who I play with. And he's like, oh, I'll get one out there for you. Oh, my God. Everything comes yeah, back. Right. Oh, heaven sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's such a painful moment. But then, you know, but I think that that's also important of bringing back. You're bringing back Kevin Coster to a childlike situation. You're making him vulnerable. You're not making everyone is figuring things out and having everyone be vulnerable in that moment as they're figuring out, like you said, Nathan, they're meeting on the same, not to make a joke, but they're meeting on the same field, the same emotional Mm -hmm. field, and then just get to build and build and build from there, which is really cool. Yeah. But it's not too long after that. He's like, can I bring other friends? I know. (laughs) Okay. There's this girl I'm seeing. I mean, she just wants to (laughs) hang out. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, geez, this, so I played, um, I played baseball pre high school for four years and I really did it for my dad. Um, mm. but two movies, were <laughs> field of dreams and the natural were the two movies that if they hadn't existed, I only would have played for two years rather than four years because they gave me that sense of like magic and connection with fathers and sons and, and, you know, and just like a, a level of like, you know, mythos to it. Right. You know, I would, I I'd go on the field and I would remember the natural, you know, or I would mm-hmm. remember some of those moments in field of dreams. And so they're really responsible for me sticking with it for a little longer than, than I would have normally. Yeah, that's, I love that your sports uh, your sports enthusiasm is tied to movies, Nathan. Yeah, that makes and I was funny. not good. Yeah, I was not good. <laughs> um, but that's part of this movie that I missed the first many, many, many times I saw it is that he uh, was being forced by his dad to play baseball and then quit and wouldn't play catch with his dad anymore uh, because that was the one thing that he could, like, refuse. Right. Um. And it's like, oh, God, that is really sad. Like, as a parent now watching it, and I haven't watched it since I became a parent, you know, it's like, oh, ouch. Right. That's really harsh. The movie wants you to be able to see your parents as real people instead of just authority figures. we all know they're not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because they really don't seem like it. Uh, When he says, when, yeah, that line in the voiceover beginning, I think it was in the beginning when he talks about he admonishes his dad for having a crook as a hero, being shoeless mm-hmm. Joe Jackson and one of the black, the what were known as the Black Sox. Um, yeah, that hurts. That crushes in a way yeah. that when you were a kid, you wouldn't think that that crushes. Nope. Because you're a kid like and you're the worst. Right over my yeah, head. Exactly. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And I was like, more of the baseball magic men, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a terrible version of this movie. 
like by Disney or something where it's like, and on first base, Lincoln, like just all these old <laughs> dead people yeah. start coming out and uh-huh. you're just like, okay, this got away from us. <laughs> the Disney channel presents. Right. It becomes Randy Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just all. They're out there flapping. <laughs> uh, this... So go ahead, Tommy. Oh, no, I was just uh, transitioning, but I want you to keep driving because I think we're going to get to the road trip part of it. We are, we are. But first we have to mention that the brother-in-law, which I think I think this was the first time I really like put together that he is the brother-in-law and the the wife's brother is trying to buy the farm out from under Ray and Annie because it's on such fertile, rich soil and they can't afford to keep it if half of it is a baseball field. Right. And so he's trying to buy it from them so that they won't get foreclosed. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a like major plotting point. And we also learn that he and uh, his wife and their mother can't see the baseball ghosts. Right. Rules. You have to, it's like the Polar Express. You have to believe in Santa in order to see the baseball <laughs> ghosts. Yeah. That's interesting because he is the, if the movie has a villain other than like the woman, the Nazi woman at the book rally and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he is a villain, but he's also trying to help the family. The movie right. doesn't just set up a cardboard. It's not like the city coming after them. It's people yeah, trying yeah. to help them. I like I like that. I don't, I didn't remember that subtlety. I remember him just being the bad guy who then sort of. But then, because he doesn't then necessarily need a comeuppance, then he gets to have that cool "don't sell this farm, Ray" moment at the end, and it works. Mm-hmm. It all yeah. is a nice way to and, not just and, have these bad corporate people. And it's yeah. always so powerful to have the a- antagonist or the naysayer be converted. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. you know, and and that's always so rewarding. Yeah, where did these ball yeah. players get here? And then the yeah. wife yeah. starts laughing. Uh-huh. Outstanding. <laughs> Um, so the voice comes back shortly after we get a lot of fun with Shoeless Joe and the eight men out playing. Um, he, he's like, the voice comes back and says, ease his pain. Ease whose pain? What? Be more specific voice. <laughs> right. Uh, they go to the PTA meeting where the evil, uh, Nazi cow book burning lady is like, <laughs> I wrote down this line. She says, they're trying to ban Terrence Mann's books. And she says, you know why he stopped writing books? Because he <laughs> masturbates. <laughs> and the guy's just like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no. I love um, how completely disconnected Kevin Costner is during that entire scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The entire scene, he's just, all. you hear him uh, mouthing, ease his pain, ease his pain as he doodles, and his wife is fighting for the future of democracy. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. I really like them as a couple. Like yeah, they're, they're such they're cute. they're very together as a team, but they're so their own people. It's neat. Mm-hmm. It's neat to see that. And Terrence Mann is JD Salinger, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. We we're assuming he's a stand-in for JD Salinger. That's what yeah, I always thought. I know uh, James Earl Jones said that that was his archetype for. Okay, got it. Yeah. So that's when he puts together uh, at the rally. He's scribbling all over his thing. Ease his pain. Ease his pain. He figures I have to ease Terrence Mann's pain. Terrence Mann is in pain. I have to go find him 
and ease his pain and take him to a baseball game. And she rightly is like, what does that have to do with baseball? Right. So he we get a whole research montage where he's like, okay, he gave an interview once in 1978 where he said that his greatest wish was to play baseball. So that's the connection. So I like a good to a research scene. That's what yeah. I miss research scenes in because the internet makes everything less cin- like microfiche is where it's at. Yeah. I just like, I like zooming, yeah. by. zooming by and then it immediately stops right at the part where he needs it. Yeah. 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 Like Rather than like someone Googling on their small phone. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. How many browsers do I have open? Yeah. It's, it's not as fun. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is when the wife is saying, no, 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 you cannot go to Boston to try and find Terrence Mann. We're going broke in Iowa. You can't go to Boston. You can't drive our Volkswagen van. It won't even make it to Boston from Iowa. Yep. Uh, you can't go. You can't go. You can't go until they realize they had the same dream that he was watching baseball with Terrence Mann. And then she's like, all right, I'll help you pack. Let's yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. That's another chill not chill goosebump moment for me. I think this movie nails, I don't know. There's probably a very easy word for it, but the idea, and you brought it up, Nathan of like the bad guy getting on board. It's a sl- about a bunch of people slowly one by one getting on board. And there's something incredible being no, no, no about it. And then getting on board because of something, there's something extremely satisfying about that. Maybe yeah. I just don't mm-hmm. see that as much or the way that this is in movies. This really nails that in some very specific way that I couldn't quite put my finger on why this one. Why? Because yeah. that moment is in a lot of movies, but this one, what this movie, we're going to be talking about it during the road trip, has one of my most favorite movies in cinema history. One of my favorite moments in cinema history, and it gives me chills every single time. And I just don't know like why this one. Why is the idea Mm. of people jumping on board? I don't know. There's almost like I'm not personally a religious person, but there is something biblical about this movie, about having Mm. faith, being tortured and punished for your faith. Everyone around you says, no, you're going crazy. And yet you're proven to be right. And you gain followers as you go. Maybe that's a part of it that there's it's such a ingrained in our mm. traditions story but then gussied up with um baseball and vans <laughs> baseball and vans Man. that was the that was the original name a lot of people think it was shoeless joe no originally the movie was called baseball and vans um baseball and vans yeah there was a theme song baseball and vans baseball and vans uh-huh. and then they complained too much baseball not enough vans yeah <laughs> Um, so they, they do end up on a road trip because he goes and he convinces Terrence Mann to go to a baseball game with him. And it's a a very uphill battle. Terrence Mann is like, I have no answers for you. I don't know uh, how to solve your problems. Peace, love, dope. Like, get out of here. I'm not that guy anymore. And he says, I've come 1500 miles at the risk of losing my home and alienating my wife to take you to a baseball game. And he's like, all right, let's go to the baseball game. Mm-hmm. And while they're there, he sees on the scoreboard the inf- like an info dump for Moonlight Graham. Moonlight Graham, one inning, zero at bats. Um, there you go. Ease his pain now. Go Do we hear him. something? Is that go the oh, distance? It says, it says go the distance. Go yes. the distance. Okay. Um, and he's like, uh, I guess I didn't need you to be here. 
uh, I'll take you home. Uh, and then there's a part that I really don't understand because Terrence Mann is like, something happened and you're not telling me. Did you hear something? Did you see something? You're not being honest with me. And he's just like, nope, I've taken up too much of your time. Nope, you you need to go. Nope, I'm dropping you off at home. And then we get to Tommy's favorite part, I think. Yep. The the, head, so the, head, the headlights turn when we're in the POV and it turns around and, and it shows now he's in the street standing in the headlights. You hear that boom. And he says, Moonlight Graham, you did see someone. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it, it's like a supernatural moment. Yeah. Though, yeah. Every time I've watched this movie, when that part comes on, I watch it like four times. Wow. What were you uh-huh. saying was yeah. the confusing part? The fact that James Earl Jones denies seeing it for so long? Or and that Kevin Costner is letting him go. Kevin Costner is not like, yeah, I did see something. I did hear something. Mm-hmm. He's like, nope, you get out of here, Terrence Mann. You didn't need to be there. Well, well, if, if I, Terrence Mann didn't, he it seemed like Terrence Mann didn't see anything. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. like the idea. And I think also what it says is that lets Terrence Mann trust Kevin Costner in a certain way. He got in this van. He's doing this thing that Kevin Costner says, uh, the voice said, you've done enough. Let the old leave the old man alone. He lets him go and says, thank you. You've done good. I will leave now. I think that kind of gives Terrence Mann, James Earl Jones, the courage to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go on this journey with you. Okay. I did see something too. Mm-hmm. If he was like, look, you saw it and let's go. And we've got to go find Moonlight Graham. I think it would freak him out still. Cause it's still, yeah. 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 And, and to be fair, this is also probably the first voice in his head that Terrence Mann has probably experienced. So he's like, is this, did right. this really happen? Is this real? Mm-hmm. You know, and so he's seeing and and yeah, and I think Kevin Costner at this point is like, I've put him through enough. This Archibald Graham thing doesn't seem to involve Terrence and I don't really want to upset him anymore because he's such a hero to me. Like, I can just let him go at this point. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I apologize. But they decide to go to Minnesota instead. Baseball in vans. Baseball in vans. Yep. Road trip. So they go looking for Doc Graham. He died in 1972. And he was this glorious man who helped everyone and did everything for the people of his town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a baseball man for only one little semester. A baseball man. <laughs> baseball. He was a man of baseball. <laughs> he was a sports player. Um, um, so the, the one thing I found out to be, so those people they were interviewing were, were great telling yeah. their story about him. Those apparently were the real people talking about the real guy. I believe he, it. Oh, He was a real person just like the other baseball players that they put that they fictionalized and put into their story but he really was a guy moonlight graham really was that one you know one uh you know one game and then became a doctor became a great doctor and so all those old people are talking about all the great things that he actually did it had that seems is real Mm -hmm. oh the hats i love that uh-huh. Oh, That's amazing. I'm so happy now. <laughs> it did have that feeling of uh like the beginning of very different, but the beginning of Interstellar, when they have yes. all of those people talking and telling stories, you can tell that it's authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they were talking about they were really talking about the Dust Bowl or whatever it was. And so that was that was a really neat part. And you get to see 
Terrence Mann starting to fall back in love with stories and writing. Mm-hmm. He is just breathtakingly charming in this movie. He makes James every, Earl Jones. James, yeah, James Earl Jones makes every movie better. Yeah, it's he's true. just yeah. He's so neat he's and he's fun I mean, and he's only funny. So much he and... can do with coming to America too, but I mean, he tried. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love him in Coming to America. One though, he's so cute, and he's like, "Don't you have to wash your penis?" I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they, uh, they, she, he does call Annie, and after, well, after he freaking time travels. And meets Moonlight Graham. Which is the one part of the movie that it gets a little close for me. It's a little precious. It's a little, like, I really like the reveal of going into the old of, like, one of the Godfather is this year's 10 best. The going into the old is really handled well. I like um, Burt Lancaster. Yeah. Burt Lancaster, he's perfect for the role and almost like has a redemption in that, that this is like his last role. The The movie slides a little bit into Frank Capra-ness, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's helped by some of the writing. That one thing, is there enough magic out there in the moonlight to make that happen? That's mm-hmm. the one speech that doesn't work for me. It's just a little mm-hmm. too dewy. But again, I like what it's about to set up. And I like him, and he's a great... Uh, actor and so it works overall but th- that gives me an, a glimpse of what this movie could have been all of that yeah. and then this movie would be too syrupy to really be able to dig into for me yeah yeah i completely agree with that for sure um so after he exits his time travel sojourn which takes him by no surprise whatsoever at this point uh annie is like they're foreclosing on the farm you got to get back and he's like okay I'm going to come back. Terrence Mann's going to come with me um, because he's got to see this field of dreams. Uh, and on <laughs> along the way, they pick up an adorable Frank Whaley uh, as a hitchhiking uh, Archie Graham. I want to, I want to be a baseball player. I heard there's towns around here where they'll find you a day job and you can play baseball in the evenings and on weekends. And they're like, okay. Get in, <laughs> and, you weirdo. <laughs> and the soup, the soup grows on trees. That when he says I'm a baseball player, uh, and they James Earl Jones and Kevin Costner share that look, and the music goes do 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 do. That's another chills moment for me. Again, it's another like these revelations as it just goes are just so perfectly mm-hmm. done. And I think we should really give it up for that score. That yes. that's mm-hmm. he um the that's is it. James Horner, the late James yeah. Horner. Um, yeah, what an amazing theme for just it's those so one, two, three, four, five, six notes to have all of that Zemeckis-like magic <laughs> in one little thing. It's perfect. And so whenever that shows up, it's really cool. And Frank Whaley's yeah. such a great choice for that. I think this movie is immaculately cast. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, yeah. gee, I want to get in your van and go play baseball. <laughs> I love him. So I love I love all the old looking faces for the baseball players, the old tiny mm-hmm. faces. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like it's cast. So, yeah, it's cast so well. Um, and Ray Liotta is magnetic. He you can't peel your eyes off him. No. He's just yeah. he's he's so uh, just 
charming and immediately likable and immediately sad and and you see all these layers in him at the moment when he's explaining that they invited Ty Cobb they didn't invite Ty Cobb and he's like right. we told him to stick it ha 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 like I don't get it I don't know who that is but I love it I love you I love you you scamp Ray yeah. Liotta <laughs> Uh, so they they go. Uh, uh, there's a nice moment though that I only noticed in this watch where uh, Terrence Mann is sitting in the car and he's like, "Now we know everyone's purpose here except mine." And I was like, "Oh yeah, we right. don't know yours yet. Yours is still coming. We we haven't learned it yet." Um, they go to the field and now there's uh, a whole bunch of players. Like they've they've got enough players to have two teams and they have a ghost umpire now. A ghost referee, ghost <laughs> third base coach. And he has to say the word ghost for every call. Right. Ghost strike one. You're ghost out. That's <laughs> part of the rules. Just like if you're in space, right? Right. Yep. Gotta be a space cop, a space sheriff. Yep. A space um, so Moonlight Graham gets to play his one inning. He gets to wink at the uh, guy. He gets to have his little tete-a-tete with Shoeless Joe and be like, okay, so those were high and tight. What do you think the next one's going to be? Low and outside or in my ear? Uh, <laughs> watch for low and outside, but don't uh, don't uh, miss it if it comes in your ear. Yep. Um, and they're, they're having this all – everything comes to – uh, this moment of uh, uh, peak uh, tension where the brother-in-law is standing in front of him screaming, Ray, you got to sign these papers. We're going to foreclose on the farm. You can't fight it anymore. In the morning, the bank's going to foreclose. Sign these papers. And he's like trying to watch the baseball and uh, – the baseball people are are having their moments and and doing their thing, and Moonlight Graham is ha- getting his uh uh run batted in, and the little girl's like eating a hot dog, and it's all going nuts. And then the moment comes where they he knocks the little girl off the back of the bleachers, and all of a sudden she's dying, and nobody knows why she can't breathe. And uh, the wife's like, I'll call the emergency. Like, they're going to make it in time. Of course not. And he's like, wait. And uh, talk about chills. <laughs> Poor yeah. little Archie Graham. Little Frank Whaley is like, what? A right. little girl in trouble? And he goes right to the edge of the field. And he hesitates. And then he steps over and immediately becomes Burt Lancaster again. He heimlicks the little girl and saves her life. Yeah. What? That's the, the best part. The shot of uh, the rack focus of the out of uh, focus players, then Frank Whaley entering frame from the right, just mm-hmm. to sort of look and see. And we hear the da 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 ding ding. That's the third chills moment for me. Uh, so it's just perf- it's just perfectly done. So many chills. Yeah, I keep Absolutely. saying chills, goosebumps. <laughs> I yeah. found this movie yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you guys this. not notice they were ghosts? Okay. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I mean, they did like a whole season of Ghost Hunters that just looking for baseball ghosts. Right. Just looking for... <laughs> yeah. I'm really into ghosts, but only sports ghosts. <laughs> only ghosts that were famous This season, sports. sports ghosts. Um, And then he saves the little girl's life, and all of a sudden the brother can see the baseball men, and he has to walk back into the corn, and they're all like, see you, Doc. Great job, Doc. 
uh, we loved you, Moonlight. And uh, uh, Ray Liotta's like, kid, you were good. And he's like, I best be going or uh, Alice will start to think I got a girlfriend. And it's like, oh, he's so cute. I love him so much. Into the I got a ghost train to catch. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and that's when we get the whole people will come. People will come to see the baseball. They won't know why they're doing it. Terrence Mann gives that beautiful speech. People will come, Ray. People will come. Uh, and then he's like, okay, well, then we won't sell the farm. We'll just wait for these people to come. And they'll each pay $20. And somehow that'll keep our farm afloat. And they invite uh, Terrence Mann to go into the corn with them. That's his and purpose. Then, that's his purpose. But Kevin Costner is all indignant that he doesn't get to go die and be in the corn, too. <laughs> it's like, buddy, uh-huh. you don't get to go in the death corn. Did you get the feeling that Terrence Mann was going to die? I always I got the feeling feel like that he that. was going to go there and report back. I think they were bringing a writer over there to then start this new whatever is going to happen in this weird corn hypnosis field thing. <laughs> I always thought that they were inviting him to be almost like um, Jodie Foster in contact. Right. Oh, go see the stuff, come then come back? back. And I think, and then he gets to write and share with the world what is on the other side. Yeah, it's just I, how I, I always took it. Because yeah, he doesn't like, achieve anything by dying. Right. Because it, it was very, it was not like James Earl Jones saying, no, my place in this world is done. He's saying, I can come back. Okay. So he's going to come back. I mean, he could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He could be horribly wrong. It's like, no, we must remove you from the playing field, <laughs> you know? Um, Seems like yeah. an awfully big risk. Yeah. I feel like it was more kind of like, Richard Dreyfus getting on the alien ship. I think I'll come back. Bye, kids. Right. <laughs> um, and then the most important moment. Uh, oh, my favorite is... part of that speech, by the way, is the memory so thick they'll have to wipe it away from their faces. That line. I think oh, the, yeah. when Terrence Mann says that's a I think that's a beautiful line that is this close to being too much again. Yes, that's that speech is really like uh, made to be someone's monologue uh, in eighth grade. <laughs> so then he's like, Shoeless Joe's like, look, you're being kind of a little bitch, Ray. But here's the thing. If you build it, he will come. Ba-ba-da-boo. It's your father. Your father's here. And he's young. He's young and fresh, and he wants to play ball. Go play ball with your old man. Um, yeah, and that and then, was the and point of Yeah, then we realize all the ghost, um, uh, all the ghost voices that he had heard are all about this moment. If you build mm-hmm. it, he will come. Go the distance. Ease his ease pain. his pain. So all those things suddenly right. fall into place, and then yeah, and then we receive this the sixth and seventh goosebumps of the 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 watching oh, dead dad i love you dad dead dad oh i love you dead dad yes it's great this this ghost is really getting a lot done this really yeah. accomplishing a lot of of checking off lists this is a highly efficient ghost voice the do we ever know who the voice is we never find out right the voice just exists it's not, yeah. we, there's no clues about that the voice was someone. Okay. I, I didn't think so. And this is the 
the one thing about this movie, it's the only time that I've ever heard the phrase used, have a catch. Yeah. Instead, of, catch. instead of play catch. Let's play catch. Mm-hmm. Have a catch is just seems such a weird way to say it. I guess, I don't know it's if that's like a, is it? Uh, is it? Ah, yeah, well, let's, like have it. a catch and then we'll play with stick and hoop. Yeah, I guess uh-huh. that's a, <laughs> have a stick catch. Stick and hoop. Yeah. Stick and hoop. Um, um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited to find out on a scale of one hot dog to 10 hot dogs, <laughs> how many hot dogs, and don't choke on them, be careful. <laughs> How many hot dogs do you give this movie, uh, Nathan Blackwell? Um, I'm. It's threatening to become a nine. I think I'll give it an eight point five. But you could totally convince me on a different screening that it's a nine. Oh, um, what didn't? Uh, what took away point five for you I, this time? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um. Yeah. It some some. Some questions can't be answered, or some answers can't be questioned. Um, yeah, very good. So, yeah, You're pleading so the movie even, fifth? Maybe even an, an 8.75. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So. I will. All right. Compl- what do you think, Tommy? I'll complete it. I will uh, do. I'll take one for you, and I'll give it a nine. Uh, although yeah. it does end because I'm such a weirdo. The very last shot of the movie is both magical and gives me anxiety because there's already too many cars. They're not ready. (laughs) ready. Like we need a Costco run before these 9 million people show up at our uh, stupid little farm. We don't have cash to like, I can't break your change. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah. And then also it's like the ghost just mind powered all these people to pay for the baseball field. Yeah, you know. Also, oh, little... they ghosts just left. They all just left. They took Darren's right. man into the cornfield. Everyone's going to show up and be like, "Yeah, we want to see these the ghost baseball." Yeah. And they're, "Oh, there's we're... no ghost baseball." What, what no. time is ghost baseball? <laughs> Where's the schedule we're... for ghost baseball? We're here for the extra thick memories. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all terrifying. <laughs> yeah, they're all showing up to see an empty baseball field at night, and right? Paying money. <laughs> Uh, but no, I would give it a nine because this seems like the kind of movie that then, like I do, a couple weeks from now or two months from now, you would ask, I'd be like, oh, it's a solid seven. But every time I watch it, I'm like, God, this movie is near perfection mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that it's got to also have big nostalgia. I mean, the movie is nostalgia, but big nostalgia for me in that it works so well. There's got to be something going on in me, too. Like I'm connecting it to some part of my life that I'm not exactly accessing. But yeah, so I'll give it a nine. This film is an absolute joy. And I don't care about baseball. And this film is an absolute joy. I don't care about baseball either. Yeah. And I, I too will give it a nine. Hooray! uh, But I... I know. I don't think we've ever had complete consensus. Well, Nathan's not quite coming up to a nine with us. Uh Yeah. Um. Uh, but I wonder to myself, too, what's the one thing that takes it away from being a 10? And I think you nailed it, Tommy. It's all the parts that are almost too much. Right. Mm. They're almost too corny. It just walks. It like It's like Ray Liotta walking up to the line in the baseball field and like, oh, I don't think I can go over. <laughs> but he walked up to the line. Uh, and so I have to take one point away. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, I also feel like 
it's so ubiquitous, like, you know, the whole you will, you know, if you build it, uh, he will come like in the pop culture, like all the marketing and the references to it, it kind of like denigrates to a degree the quality of the movie when you mm-hmm. think on it, like uh, it's like, oh, I haven't seen Field of Dreams uh, in forever. Oh, yeah. If you build it, he will come like you think about like the pop culture, like references or marketing or whatever. And you don't re- re- remember as well, like the really powerful, fantastic experience mm. of watching the movie. You know, like some mm-hmm. movies are like that, you know, it's like it's so popular that it almost like devalues the experience just a little. Yeah, that's interesting. Sure. Like it's over commodified. Yeah. Yeah. Like someone who like bald at Titanic or something like that. And now it's like, oh, we hear about Titanic all the time. And you almost think of it more as a franchise or a property or something like that than the the actual like human huh. experience you had during it, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a great example. Um, what about a deep cut recommendation? Is yours Titanic, Nathan? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if I've recommend. I, I, I feel like I may have recommended this before already, but um, my recommendation is uh, the movie About Time. Oh. Um, which also kind of deals with aging and your dad and some and mysticism. But in this case, it's time travel. Um, okay. but that, well, we that's had time a... travel in this movie. Yes. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's like one is a little more about growing up and becoming your dad and Field of Dreams is more about healing the relationship that you had. They're a little different, but they, there is some fun similarity. And, um, you know, about time is a little more about romantic, a r- romantic relationship, but I feel like they they would make good companion pieces. Is that Rachel McAdams? No, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it is. So yeah. I'm thinking of the right yeah. one. Okay, got yeah, it. Brendan, yeah, Brendan Gleeson, um, Bill Nye. Yeah. Okay, good one, good one. That's not what I was expecting. That's a true deep cut. Excellent. <laughs> uh, what do you got, Tommy? Mine's not that deep, but it does. It deals with some of the same themes in this movie, but with wildly different. Uh, uh, results. Um, it's about a movie based on a beautiful book uh, by Ian McEwan. It's about a young girl that makes a terrible mistake because she's young and spends kind of the rest of the movie and the rest of the characters end up trying to recover from that one mistake. And then she sort of spends in a way the rest of her life trying to redeem herself. It's the film Atonement mm. based on the book by Ian McEwan, uh, Kira Knightley and James McAvoy. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and I no spoilers, but the attempt at redemption is very interestingly handled in this movie in very different ways. That's great. That's also a very deep cut and I love it. It's which makes mine seem very dumb because it's not a deep cut at all. (laughs) It's a very obvious cut and it just deals with James Earl Jones and baseball. Oh, I want to recommend the Sandlot. Uh, which I also think is, is a near perfect movie that if we watched it and reviewed it, we would all give it a nine, if not a perfect <laughs> 10. There are no flaws in a sad lot. And it's also about redemption and father son relationships because uh, you have the whole stepfather, uh, stepson, let's have a catch uh, mm-hmm. at the end relationship 
Um, and you just take a little a little break to be in the biggest pickle anyone's ever been in. Uh, <laughs> so that's my not so deep cut <laughs> recommendation. Um, Tommy, where can people find all your podcasts and listen to all the amazing things that you do? Oh, well, truestory.fm. I'm on the film board uh, where we uh, do like a new movie that's coming out. Uh, the next one that we'll be doing mm-hmm. is Argyle by, oh, I um, can't wait for that by one. Matthew Vaughn. Uh, so that's always a lot of fun. It's me, Pete, Uncle Pete, and Justin Yeager. And then we're starting to have some more people join us. Uh, cool. I'm on Sitting in the Dark, which is a horror film podcast with uh, Ray wow. Delancey, Kyle Olson, and again, Uncle Petey. Um, and that's we do just once a month. And then uh, we used to have, Pete and I used to have a comedic uh, podcast about anxiety called What's That Smell? It has now changed to <laughs> WTS Presents All the Feelings. We, after eight seasons, we ran out of things to be nervous about. So now we are doing deep, <laughs> weird dives into human emotions and all the things that make us human. We're going to be starting, uh, we're doing special members-only episodes right now. And then a little bit later this year, we're going to be taking on The Seven Deadly Sins and the seven Ooh. heavenly wonders. I don't remember what the op, the other thing is. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We did that all last season and it was a great time. So yeah. That's so wonderful. I love keep that. An eye out. Thank you. Cool. Uh, Nathan, what about you? Where can people find and support your filmmaking endeavors? Uh, the best way is uh, so our production company, Squishy Studios. Uh, YouTube or on Facebook um, and Instagram. Um, yeah, if you want to check out our stuff, short films. Um, when our our feature film, uh, the last movie ever made, will come out. I still don't know when it'll come out. I think maybe spring or summer. Mm. Okay. Um, but that'll the information will be on those social medias. We'll we won't keep it a secret, and so that's that's the way people can watch. And you're doing a panel about what happens after you made your movie, which sounds exciting. Uh, we sort of did that panel it, in our bonus content right. here. Yeah, it's just a distribution panel. I, I've been asked to to talk on that, but that'll be that will have passed by the time this this podcast airs. So okay, I just think it's cool because we talked about it in our bonus content, and now you're doing a, a whole panel about it. Um, <laughs> they had they had li- they had limited um, potential guests, and I said yes. <laughs> Oh, you're so humble you're such a moonlight graham you're the moonlight graham of uh filmmaking yes uh-huh. all yeah. those hat boxes behind it <laughs> god so obsessed with hats um you can find me at the neighborhood comedy theater in downtown mesa arizona uh you can also find my other podcast gank that drank a supernatural drinking game podcast on truestory.fm uh and you probably heard the commercial at the beginning but just in case if you're here at the end with us and you want a little extra bonus content uh become a member kick us five dollars a month and you get uh the episodes a week early uh you get extra bonus content and you get uh, all of the True Story FM action on the Discord channel. Um, you can chime in and uh, say hi to us and uh, all kinds of other fun stuff. Become a member at truestory.fm. And when you're out there in the world, please keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party, party on, on, dudes. dudes. <laughs> <laughs>